Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London Is Blue podcast, your home for all things Chelsea FC. Nick, Dan, and myself cover all the match reviews from the latest Chelsea matches. We cover the team news and even throw you some exclusive interviews. Thank you already for being an awesome listener. And you know what? Let's jump right in. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to a special London Is Blue podcast episode. You know, it was an international break this past weekend, and while, you know, a lot didn't happen in every international break, we decided that we should do something a little bit special and kind of try to come up with something, you know, unique for someone who gave so much to the club, being John Terry, uh, after he announced his retirement. We touched on it a little bit last week, um, but we knew even then that that wasn't enough for him, especially in terms of what he has given us. So we are here to reflect on the extraordinary career of our captain leader legend, John Terry. He is one of our own, a true Chelsea legend. So joining me for this episode, we have Dan, Nick, and Mike. Gentlemen, welcome to to this celebration of a career as it's not quite over Dan, how are you feeling as uh, as we look forward to reflecting on JT's career? It's an exciting time. I think we benefited as supporters and as a club for getting to watch John Terry for so many years compete on the pitch. And 
it's going to be really unique in the way that we've had a chance now to watch, you know, Lampard at, at Derby progress into this new phase of his career, Nick. And I think, you know, it's great to reflect back on what he's done for the club and, and to also celebrate, you know, what this man is going to be able to accomplish in the, the next phase of his footballing career. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I said this last week and I'll, I'll kind of say it again. I think, you know, fans in the media and a bunch of, you know, kind of onlookers are always eager to, you know, see what's next. You know, in American sports, the the backup quarterback is the most popular player on the on the team because he has the the potential, right? If the starter sucks, then he'll come in and, and save the day. Uh, John Terry, uh, you know, retired when he wanted to. He played, you know, a full season with Villa last year, um, and you know, just commend him for for retiring on his own terms and. And you know, doing the thing that he loved uh, doing, and you know, really, you know, Mike, I think that's that's kind of the spirit we want to take into this episode. Oh, for sure. And you know, say what you will about JT, he's the kind of player that had a career that every person in the world would have wanted him on his team to play that long for a club to win that many trophies. Uh, you just don't see that, and you know, he epitomizes what the club was and it, what a career it's been for him. Awesome. So breaking this down a little bit more uh, in this episode, obviously you can tell right now it's going to be a little different for a number of reasons, mainly because we have a singular focus to honor John Terry. It's also different because we have many tributes that have been recorded from a number of pod regulars, including Stanford Chidge, Marco from Gate 17, Liam, Toomey, and many, many more. We loved hearing from all of our friends and members of our Chelsea community. And I would say if you have a Chelsea memory, make sure to send it to us via social, email, even record it. And we can post those throughout the week as follow-ups as well. Uh, we want to just share as many of these JT memories and kind of thoughts and, and reflections as we can because this is what it's about. So, uh to kick us off, we are all going to go around the horn and, and talk about our, you know, kind of JT memories and and everything like that before we get into our friends who submitted theirs, uh, and then we'll wrap up with ones that were submitted online through social media as well. Just all about tributes, and then uh, make sure you stay for the very very end of this episode as we are going to have, um, you know, I guess JT himself. Uh, send this podcast out. No, no, no clickbait. We didn't get him to actually submit for us, but we're going to play some audio uh, of John talking about his career as well. So Dan, I would like to start it off with you, sir. Uh, Your time on the clock has started. Your JT memories go. This is like the Oscars. The clock is ticking and I have to think about who I'm going to thank. And first off, there's only one name to thank. It's John Terry uh, for five, five Premier League titles five FA Cup titles, three League Cup t- League Cups, two Community Shields, one Champions League, one Europa League, and that's just team honors when you think about the fact his individual honors included being on the uh, the Pro World Eleven uh, occasion of five times, on the UEFA Team of the Year four times, Defender of the Year three times. Weird that you're on the Team of the Year that many and then not on for Defender. That's a whole other debate. Uh, the PFA Team of the Year four times and then the PFA Players Player of the Year one time. So not only a player that was recognized and you know for his individual honors by media or by other professionals in the game, uh, but by fans as well. And it's just, it's going to be, you know, I think immense the, 
you know, if Villa ends up coming back in any capacity, I don't think, unlike if, you know, we had to play Villa where Terry would said that he would, you know, not want to play against the club. Um, you know, I think he wouldn't have the option as an assistant manager to do that, to not manage a match against Chelsea. But we were just so fortunate to have a man who really, you know, defined the club and got to be Mr. Chelsea. Uh, there's not anyone you can see coming up in the wings who would be defined in any capacity that way. It's not how the modern game is where you spend the lifetime of a club with it. You know, I, I I think the most analogous analogous thing that I can think of is, you know, Tom Brady and the Patriots, which I know is going to make my fellow friends on this podcast cringe and, and cringe. They do, but it's the same type of the player has played for one team and there's such an emotional connection that is developed and, you know, the an identity that is created in that relationship. And I, I, we, we were blessed. You're we blessed. We're fortunate. And, Again, I think Mike said in the beginning, you know, we're very lucky to have had this relationship and you get a lot of people who become jealous and envious and that takes different forms. But, you know, we got to see, uh, you know, the, the bad times of John Terry, but they were very small in comparison to the wonderment that he provided to us on and off the pitch. And uh, that's, uh, you know, now, now I'll take the hook off the stage <laughs> and uh, free up space for somebody else. I, I really, first of all, I thought you were going to, uh, lead us into a, a Christmas carol with the uh, the 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 five Premier Leagues, <laughs> five FA Cups, and a PFA Player of the Year. Okay, so uh, I also uh, have some thoughts here um, because you know I, I have watched this man for a number of years, and I you know he's obviously the 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 thing about him to me that that stood out was leadership. Um, you know, I I don't think anyone would ever confuse him with being. Uh, the most physically gifted player on the pitch. I think he was the smartest player on the pitch almost every time he took the pitch. Um, so that you know, that's obviously a calling card of his. But I think leadership is a really hard thing, especially in in 2018. There are very few leaders, um, you know, like JT in the modern game. You know, I think that you've seen criticism of of the best players in the world not really being true leaders uh, on the pitch and. I think, you know, look, to to be frank about it, he's had some rough moments. You know, they're the the you know, the Moscow miss penalty and the Barcelona red card and, you know, some of the off the field incidents were not, you know, super. But, you know, the thing about leadership to me is not that you have to be a perfect person and always kind of be the the shining light for the club. You know, people make mistakes. It's what do you do after those moments that really you know, to me stands out. And I think that he always responded on the pitch first and foremost, you know, in some of his toughest moments, he came back and scored goals and, you know, played a, you know, you know, just put people in his pocket and just played a really great game in, in the midst of all of this, you know, kind of uh, craziness that was around him. And then he owned it. You know, I think that he's, you know, he's, he's a human being owned it and moved on and did the best that he could since. And, there, there's not, you know, I listened to the fan cast uh, last week and, you know, I think Tweeds and Alex Churchill and JK and Chidge all kind of waxed poetic on, on JT for a little bit, as they should. Uh, but, you know, I haven't heard many stories from Chelsea supporters where John Terry didn't go out of his way 
uh, you know, as as the leader of the club to to make someone's day or you know to to sign a shirt or to stay late. You know, I think we'll we'll hear some of those stories later on too. Um, but yeah, just I, I really think leadership is the thing that stood out to me about his playing career. Never had to worry about him not being a leader on the pitch. He was clearly our our lion on the pitch. And then off the pitch, I think he set the tone of success for the entire club. And Mike, you know, I don't know how much more you can ask of a person than that. Not not too much. You know, for me, JT, he's kind of the last of his breed. You're talking about a player in which it was all about heart and effort. And and it's easy, I think, sometimes to, to follow the LeBrons or the amazing players like a, a Messi or Neymar. But he he put everything on the on the field and he played for you know we always talk about playing for you know the badge on the front of of your shirt instead of the name on the back and he did everything possible for his teammates and i i think when you look at somebody um he he left it all on the field and i don't think there's very many people that you could say uh, on the football pitch, did more as a leader, a teammate, to sacrifice, score huge, score huge goals when it mattered, uh, and and that mental resilience. And I just, I think when we're, I think we're going to miss players like this. When you see players just rolling around and diving and throwing fits, you know, we're talking about a guy who'd put his face in front of a ball, you know, take a boot to the face to try and block a shot because everything mattered because winning was everything for him because he was winning for us. And I think for me, you know, it's about family, uh, about the fans. The fans were his family. And for me, uh, as a fan, I I think back to um, 2009, July in Baltimore, it was the first time I ever saw the club play, you know, and I was there in my in my JT kit with my brother wearing his Lampard kit, there were 70,000 people and we had the luxury of watching the team play and he played like it was a World Cup match. And I think those are the kind of moments in which um, having been able to watch him for about 20 years, you miss that. How, how do you replace that with so much passion? And to me, I just... I am so thankful to have been able to have been part of this because he always made us feel like we were part of it. Um, Brandon, what about you? Uh, you know, when it comes to JT, I think that I one thing that always will separate him from a lot of other players, and right, rightfully so, I think to me are the appearances that he had. So third on Chelsea's list, all-time list of appearances behind uh, Ron Chopper Harrison, Peter the Cat Bonetti. So JT comes in at 492. Only, it's probably a little agonizing, only 11 behind Peter Bonetti. To me, I think that that's important. Um, You know, I'm not throwing anyone under the bus, but, you know, for whatever reason, players are a, a lot more apt to move these days. Uh, in search for more playing time. That's not wrong necessarily, you know, but just for JT to be such a, you know, people say servant of the club, which I think is kind of an interesting word, but he was dedicated to the club. And to be fair, the club were able to provide him with everything he could have ever wanted. I mean, the man won literally every single trophy uh, out there, maybe with the exception of the Club World Cup. But if you could have one trophy not in your closet, that's the one you're going to go to let slide by. So to me, I always love 
uh, you know, how passionate and dedicated and committed he was to Chelsea. You knew that he embodied everything that all of the the fans looked and loved at Chelsea for. Um, And he was someone that no matter uh, what big names were signed, he could put anyone in their place and also show them what it meant to be a player for Chelsea. So again, it, you know, a lot of this is really the the leadership and the embodiment and kind of the you know, the the dedication to the club is what we all love is the loyalty and things like that. So for me, it's just I think that everything that we are kind of talking about here, gentlemen, really just lead to the specific examples that we're going to hear in a little bit. And so uh again, um you know, no complaints uh, you know, that we can look back and have with JT. He was absolutely fantastic and he stayed to the, the you know, as long as he possibly could with a phenomenal, phenomenal career. And he's one of those guys that any single club uh, in the world would have loved to have John Terry uh, do what he did for their club. And so I think that we should just all really look back as feeling absolutely blessed and lucky that John Terry is one of us and he's one of our own. And I think that that will always uh, be a very huge point of pride that all of us as Chelsea fans, we can always get together and rally behind. So again, JT is giving us commonality uh, amongst international fans, local fan season ticket holders, and even future fans that will be coming to follow the club and support later on. So uh, yeah, I don't know. Just a, a little taste test to kind of you know where we're at, what we're thinking. Uh, I you know you guys, I you know a thank you to you for for coming out and kind of leading this. You guys had really really cool stuff, and I I remember that you know Dan and, and Nick when we went to our very very first match at Middlesbrough uh, at home at the Bridge, and um you know he he came on as a sub as you know we talked about in. But just the opportunity to see him play to me was like worth the trip in itself. And remember, Chelsea were one win away from clinching the title after that. They had so many things to get excited about. But I don't know about you guys, but to me, literally the highlight of that trip for me was just seeing JT come on as a sub and play live in person. He was at the half right in front of us. So we got to be very close. I just remember taking so many blurry photos of JT. I wanted my iPhone. I'm like, zoom farther, (laughs) zoom farther. Um, But I'll never forget it. Yeah, I mean, I have have one saved on my phone of of him entering the pitch and, and, you know, Gary coming off uh, for him. And it... It was so loud. The ovation was so loud because, you know, obviously I think people knew that it's one of the last times he'd play um, on, the, on the field at Chelsea. And, uh, you know, I think every time he, Dan, every time he, he kicked the ball, there was just this ole kind of effect <laughs> that uh, that was going around the ground. It was pretty special, man. It, it was an uproar. It was a swell of excitement and sadness and you know, just all these mixed emotions around the pitch of people wanting to praise and honor him and also to you know not wish him to not go knowing that that was the inevitability at the end of the season and it it was special it was a very special thing it was right before uh, Chelsea went away to West Brom to you know win the league under Antonio Conte's first season and 
you know, we, uh, you know, we, I think we all had the, the benefit of being there at a really, really special time in, in Mr. John Terry's career and uh, for us as supporters. And, you know, one that uh, many players would, uh, would try hard to have that type of relationship with the club and, and very few maybe ever will. And yeah, I, I just, you know, it's one of those things. It's, it's hard to think about it, it being over, to not think about him on, the playing pitch anymore but to also in this moment be excited for maybe a future where frank lampard john terry and and other former players are in the coaching or administration structure of this club and continuing to champion chelsea to uh, to new heights in a different role all right well enough from us let us go ahead and kick off with some of the friends of the pod and let them have their say on john terry and his impact throughout his career on them first up is huge friend of the pod dan levine a freelance chelsea journalist here's what he had to say about jt and one specific moment from his career hi this is dan levine just with a quick story about jt who has retired from football there are so many of these tales that I could tell. Um, the ones that in- instantly spring to mind are the time at Burnley when he was all over the back pages for things going on in his private life and who would step up at the last minute with a header to win the game, Captain JT. There's another one that I think of when Chelsea played at uh, Reading that time and uh, lost two goalkeepers. Basically, both of them were mugged by Reading's players. And who should go in goal with JT? He was pretty good, funny enough. But there's, a, I think, uh, a game that, that I remember more than anything uh, when, when I think of JT, and it's the, the 2007 League Cup final. It was held in Cardiff, uh, and Arsenal were the opposition. And uh, you know, it got to the... Uh, it was about an hour into the game, and there was this high ball in the Chelsea box and he went in as he always would do head first captain leader legend get that ball out of it and everything else is second consideration of course Abu Diaby had different ideas and he went for a high ball himself kicked the ball far far too high it was a reckless challenge no question at all I'm sure there was no uh, foul intent uh, but of course his boot connected with JT just under the chin and knocked Terry out cold and Terry was lying prostrate on the pitch and as he laid there it looked more and more worrying he sort of started to turn a funny colour at one stage and then people came on and they gave him a neck brace and he was carted off and there was a hush all over the stadium in Cardiff people were genuinely worried really because there was no signs of movement at all anyway he was taken out and the game finished Chelsea won actually 2-1 and um, we knew nothing really about what happened to him he disappeared all we knew was that he'd been taken to hospital in Cardiff and as I remember standing in the uh, the basement of the Millennium Stadium waiting for players to come through in the mix zone. All these sorts of strange messages started coming through. Remember, this is 2007, so there was not really any social media at the time. There's never been any mobile phone reception, really, unless you hung out one of the doors of the uh, uh, of the basement of the Millennium Stadium. So any news we got was really just whispers and rumours. And there was some really quite grim stuff coming through that, that Terry's injury had been really, really quite serious. There were serious conversations I remember being had between journalists 
about whether this might be the end of his playing career. We feared that you know there was a word that he'd broken a cheek, another word that he may have even broken his neck. Um, and you know, people were were very, very gravely concerned. It could be even even worse. And as we were standing there waiting, having this chat at the end of this long corridor, there was an enormous clatter as the two doors at the end of the corridor came flying open like a pair of barroom doors in a western. And who should stride in, still wearing his kit, no boots, John George Terry. He looked dazed as hell. He wandered over towards us, sort of hobbling either way, just in his socks. He looked towards us and said, did we win? And that was it. He literally just walked straight in to the dressing room and rejoined his jubilant teammates. Uh, That, for me, says more about John Terry than anything. You can do anything to him, but you can never put him down. Uh, Chelsea's greatest ever captain, and hopefully uh, I wish him a great, great retirement. We also were able to buy a few minutes of Stanford Chidges time with the promise of a pint head of the Chelsea Supporters Trust, as well as the indomitable host of the Chelsea FanCast, had these kind of words to say about John Terry, Mr. Chelsea. This is London calling. This is London calling. Yes, that's right. This is your old Stamford Chidge, all the way from uh, sunny London. The London is blue, boys. Asked me to... uh, Say some words on uh, on John Terry, who, of course, retired from playing last week. John Terry, captain, leader, legend. What more can you say? Interesting fact, Darren Mantle, Dazza Mental Mantle, who used to be a stalwart of the uh, Chelsea fancast back in the day, well, he was the man that coined the phrase John Terry, captain, leader, legend. And apparently that was when... They were uh, working on doing the banner, which you see at the uh, Matthew Harding end, and they wanted to know what to put on it. It was Darren that came up with that. So there we go. As far as John Terry's concerned, is he the Premier League's greatest ever defender? In my mind, there's not a shadow of a doubt about that. I don't think anybody comes close to it. I mean, people argue about Rio Ferdinand, but I don't know. John Terry, got to be the best for me. Uh, Is he Chelsea's greatest ever player? I think there's a good case to be made. Um, I mean, look at all the games he's played. He captained us. He's our most successful captain, without a doubt. I think he's the uh, the league's uh, uh, you know highest goal scorer for a defender. Uh, he put his body on the line so many times. I mean, he he was Mister Chelsea, wasn't he? He bled blue literally for that club. I think there's a huge case to be made that he is Chelsea's greatest ever player. Having said that. You know, for me, Frank Lampard just about squeaks it, but it's really close. I think those two, you know, you talk about legends in the game and for the club, but I, I you know, don't look much further than those two for perhaps the two greatest ever players that we've played. I, I find it hard to separate them myself. I really do. You know, people talk about John Terry's controversies. Um, yeah, you know, he's a flawed individual. We all are. He's human. You know, he makes mistakes. He does some silly things, and he did, and I'm sure he would be the first to admit that my own opinion on it is that a lot of the criticism that he's received in the game is is very unfair i think a lot of it has to do with the fact that you know chelsea were painted as the bad guys when roman abramovich took over the club 
Roman, of course, never speaks to the media. JT's the captain of the club, did a few naughty things. So I think it was all heaped upon him. All the opprobrium of what Chelsea had done and were doing all fell on his shoulders. Uh, so I think a lot of it is a, is a slightly media-driven agenda. And I think, you know, all the opposition fans who, who absolutely love to hate John Terry poor scorn on him all the memes you get all this rubbish you get frankly for me it's born of envy you know I think at the end of the day you know nine out of ten fans of any other club would have wanted John Terry to be playing for them and doing what he did because as a supporter you know you can accept a player who hasn't got much ability but what you absolutely demand from any of your players is that they put in a hundred percent for you and for the shirt and I think John Terry put in a hundred and twenty percent for us and the shirt every time he played so for me a lot of the opposition fans crap about John Terry is born of envy in terms of his legacy well I mean as I said already I think he's perhaps arguably the greatest Chelsea player ever he's certainly the greatest Premier League defender uh, in my mind um, but I think, in a sense, he's the last of the line. I've written articles about this in the past. I really generally do not think you will see another player at Chelsea in the mould of John Terry, as in somebody who came up from the youth, who spent 90% of his career at the club, who captained it in the way he did, who won what he did, who put as much as he did into the soul of this club. I mean, as I said, he, he, he is Mr. Chelsea. Um, I don't think you'll see his like again. There was always something quite old school about JT when he played, which is what I think really helped to you know create this bond between him and many of the supporters that go week in week out. I think that uh, you know he's a one-off. I don't think we'll see his like again playing in the way that modern football is now. So in a sense, it's a very very sad moment that he's finished playing. Although for us, of course, we all think he finished playing the year he left us, and that's fair enough. But there you go. I mean, I've got lots of very great personal memories of JT. You know, I've met him on several occasions and I've always found him to be an absolute delight. He always has time for supporters. He'll sign anything and everything that you put his way, always with a smile, quite often cracking a joke. Um, and even more than that, he, he, will, he will get the other players, you know, to sign their stuff as well. I've had experience of that when I took a load of lads up to Cobham once. And it was JT that, you know, actually not only corralled all the players to sign these kids' stuff, but actually got the others back from the dressing room because they'd tried to avoid it, as some of them do. Um, he's perennially the winner of the CFC UK uh, lift competition, which is where DJ, the editor, gets picked up at Putney Bridge. And uh, players will give him a lift in with all the huge bags of CFC UKs. JT, competitive in everything that he did, always made sure he won that. Um, and, and continues a great you know, relationship with the likes of DJ as well. Uh, another personal one for me is I remember uh, when he was going through the whole racist storm, uh, a friend of ours who listens to the Chelsea fancast regularly wrote JT a letter of support, uh, and JT sent him a pair of signed boots. And that's the thing. A lot of what JT does for the supporters and for people and, and showing his generosity you know, nobody knows about really. It never, he never goes to the press and, you know, goes and tells everybody how wonderful he is. It's just between him and us. And I think that's how he likes it. And as I said, I'm sure all week you've heard hundreds of stories like this about what, what JT has done for the supporters 
you know, he he is he he will be missed from the game, and I, I don't think a lot of the opposition fans and the journalists will realise how significant it is losing a character like JT out of the game until he's gone, and that'll be very interesting to see what happens. Anyway, have a great show, boys, and I look forward to catching up with you sooner rather than later, and especially, uh, you know, Christmas and New Year when you guys are all coming over. Let's have a drink then. Look forward to it. Next up, we have our good friend Dan Silver, also a, a member of the Chelsea Supporters Trust who deals with a lot of uh, international uh, fan uh, needs. So take a listen to Dan and his uh, his one key moment, maybe a, a key goal from JT's career. So as John Terry hangs up his boots after a stellar career, a few words to reflect on what an amazing player he was. Absolute legend. That term is thrown about very easily these days, but JT is a bona fide legend. What a career. He won everything possible. He captained his country. Chelsea's greatest ever defender. Premier League's greatest ever defender. Premier League's highest scoring defender. One of England's best defenders of all time. This man is a once in a lifetime legend. I doubt we'll ever see somebody like JT again. Certainly in our lifetimes. He was brave. He was strong. Technically very, very good. He could use both feet. He was brilliant. He was an inspirational leader. Um, a lot of opposing fans hate him, but, you know, people hate success. John Terry, what a man. So much on the field, so much off the field. His off-the-field work, he did so much. He never courted publicity. He didn't need publicity to validate um, the work he did. True, true inspirational leader. So many great games, so many last-ditch tackles. The, the Barcelona to make it 4-2. Um, the brave header in the cup in Cardiff where he got knocked out by DRB and was back within the hour and DRB was out for a month. The man is brilliant. He's, it's so hard to put into words the service he gave to us, um, the bravery, playing through injuries. What a captain. All the battles, the Blackburn away, the year we won the league for the first time when that was a pivotal moment in the bare-chested, fist-pumped the crowd. When he wasn't playing, the encouragement to the rest of the team, the pill to roll on the road to Munich, although he missed a final, he was so important for us getting there. Winning the league in his final season at Chelsea was a perfect swan song for him. From all his 700 odd games, you could probably count on one hand the amount of bad games he had. That just shows what a consistent warrior he was. The banner at Stamford Bridge reads Captain Legion Legend. He was certainly our captain, our leader. Our legend, JT, I love you and thank you for everything you've done for us. And we also have Marco, good friend of the pod, uh, Gate17 Publishing, author of so many great books. Uh, also player ratings on ESPN FC. And if there ever was a beating heart of a club, it was John Terry. The Premier League may be the melting pot of football stars from around the globe these days, with Stamford Bridge one of its most cosmopolitan venues. But for years, the beating heart of Chelsea Football Club remained quintessentially English. Captain, leader, legend, John Terry. In a day and age when our national game seemed to be losing all sense of tradition and identity, Terry, although every inch a modern footballer, had a comic book hero quality to his persona, whimsically redolent of a wonderfully homespun bygone era. John's time at Stamford Bridge coincided with Chelsea's evolution into a true football powerhouse and along the way there was plenty of glorious unpredictability involved. For me, it's what makes following the Blues so addictive. Never ever take anything for granted. Call it what you will, these tales of the unexpected, 
Chelsea and John Terry go together like fish and chips. Let's stick to the football here, right? And specifically Chelsea. I'm going to recall a couple of highs and a couple of lows. Of course, there were plenty more of both. I saw JT's career develop from youth team to first team and I was there on that extraordinary afternoon, 30th of April 2005, at what was then known as the Reebok to see him skip a Chelsea to a 2-0 win over Bolton Wanderers and with it seal the Premier League title. Super Frank scored a brace and JT was as imperious as ever alongside Ricky Cavallio in defence. What a partnership that was. The look of sheer joy at the final whistle on Terry's face was priceless. The kid who came through the ranks, just like we had in a way. We never thought we'd ever see Chelsea win the league. Lord knows if he did, but there it was. Boom! The punch to the guts, though, came three days later at Anfield, didn't it? The second leg of the Champions League semi-final. I was there again. Honestly, I was convinced Chelsea were going to get the result despite a 0-0 draw the first leg at Stamford Bridge. We'd beaten Barca and Bayern en route to the semis. JT was going to lead us to victory. It was our year. We had the best manager, the best captain, the best team. We lost 1-0 to that ghost goal from Luis Garcia. It was horrible. We just couldn't pull it round. Towards the end, I could see Terry looking like he was going to cry. And at the final whistle, he was in pieces, and so were we. It was awful. It could only have been worse if we lost to Spurs. I'm sure JT felt the same way. One of us, you know what I mean, don't you? What a roller coaster, eh? Never give in. Never, never, never. In nothing great or small, large or petty. Never give in except to convictions of honour and good sense. Never yield to force. Never yield to the apparently overwhelming might of the enemy. John Terry. Well, I want to finish on a high, so let's go in my second low, because JT's going to rise up, right? The only game I've ever been to that started on one day and finished on another. 2008, that Champions League final against Man U in Moscow. Terry steps up to take what should have been the decisive penalty. I was with DJ, only a pound. He couldn't bear to watch. I wished I hadn't. How'd you come back from that? Missing a penalty to win the biggest trophy in club football. It would have been the pinnacle of Terry's career. Instead, it became the nadir. The rain fell from the heavens that night. Felt like the world was ending. The great apocalypse. What next? Chelsea, the cruel mistress, eh? Once again, though, we knew that JT would feel as bad as we did. And I knew he'd be back. And so it came to pass. Double, double, double. John Terry has won the double. Who knew? What a priceless achievement that was. The 2009-2010 double winning season. 8th of November 2009. Man United at home. JT rising majestically to head home a super frank free kick. It was the only goal of the game and it needed a captain leader legend to score it. The last away game of the season. A 2-0 win over the Scousers at Anfield. Good. The final home game of the season, an 8-0 win over Wigan. 103 goals scored in the league that season. Maybe this is where Sarri got the idea for Sarri ball from. Carlo Ancelotti. <laughs> 15th of May, JT lifting the FA Cup at Wembley. It wasn't the best of finals, but no one cared. One achievement, the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, glorious unpredictability. And of course, there was still more to come. 
We won't see another player like John Terry at Chelsea Football Club. They broke the mould when they made JT. 717 appearances, 67 goals. You're a legend, John. I want to buy you a pint. I love you, man. All right, and a bit of an outsider's perspective from friend of the pod, Naz, obviously Chelsea journalist from gold.com. Uh, as, a, as an open Manchester United fan, it's really cool to hear what he has to say about how his perceptions changed about JT. This is Nizar Kinsella from gold.com. Um, I'm just going to tell you a little bit about John Terry, how I've come across him. Um, I was an outsider coming into this job covering Chelsea um, roughly two and a half years ago. Uh, and and I had negative preconceptions about John Terry. Those those criticisms will remain part of his story. Um, but I've interviewed him exclusively twice and spoke to him off the record, man to man or man with men with other journalists. Um, and and he's always been good humoured, kind. Um, I also interviewed him on TV. It was, it was I think it was my first TV interview. Um, and to have John Terry. Uh, as the guy interviewing, um, it just made it more made me more nervous. I, I wasn't used to the, this sort of environment. You get it wrong on TV, you could go viral on social media and stuff like that. So I, I did the interview, and I remember being blown away by the professionalism of John Terry. He he put me at ease. Um, there was another time when we uh, we had a chat. We were in LA uh, at this Chelsea event, and uh, there was all the, the entire Chelsea squad were there. And um, John Terry was part of that squad. It was Antonio Conte's start at the club, and he was he was he was absolutely immaculate. He came over to the journalist, spoke to us for twenty minutes, whereas most of the other players avoided us or, or were a bit awkward around the general public. Um, he trusted us, laughed, spoke, even listened, uh, and and that's not a given in the football world. There's, there's all too often where you don't make those connections, but with John, it was effortless and. That behaviour is part of what leadership is. It's become an asset for Chelsea uh, over the years, and, and that's what makes him a legend. He set the example of putting in extra work where others don't. He gave back to Chelsea in every way. He's the biggest supporter of the academy, and that's what helps p- propel the club to greatness. I've spoken also to many players, um, and they all talk about how great John is and, and how much they've taken from him. And then they, I'm talking about world-class players, but also a lot of youth players across across this this country who didn't make it at the club and and they carry the advice that John Terry gave them that's that's the influence of John Terry and that's why he is Mr Chelsea we had a few words from the official club historian for Chelsea FC Mr Rick Glanville who decided to not just wax poetic but also give us a little bit of a Shakespeare lesson while talking about the virtues of John Terry this is Rick Glanville for the London Is Blue podcast, and I'm Chelsea's official historian. I'm at Stamford Bridge for the star-studded launch of my old spa, Paul Canaville's Foundation. You can find that on Twitter at CanavilleFDN. That's one N, two L's, E, F, D, N. Paul was the first black footballer to play for Chelsea, and I really recommend you to follow his foundation and the great work that they do. I've been asked by the podcast fellows for my perspective on John Terry as he hangs up his boots and picks up his spreadsheets as a coach at Aston Villa. And when I think of John Terry, I met many times, my first thoughts are that he's been Britain's best defender in my lifetime. And uh, a very different thing considering our history of magnificent uh, overseas defenders, Chelsea's greatest too. 
You think of that anticipation, organisation, smelling danger, instantly reacting to it. He had an unflinching bravery, an incredible goal threat, and above all, for me, the finest first-touch passer of a ball I've ever seen. And, of course, a captain of men. And then I think of the times I've met or interviewed him and how, really, over the years, he became a wonderful communicator and a rare footballer who had time for everybody and was always performing random acts of kindness that his many detractors failed to value. He would, you know, lots of people talk about when they were uh, in a bad way and couldn't afford to go to matches, they might send off a speculative letter and receive £20 in a post with a Cobham postmark uh, on the envelope. That was him. But on the issue of the man and the detractors, as opposed to the captain leader, legend. I'm always reminded of a quote from Shakespeare. Now, we get taught Shakespeare at school whether we like it or not. I loved it. I don't know if that happens in America. I hope it does, because there's loads of lessons you can learn from life from Shakespeare. And the quote I always think of John Terry is, he was a man, take him for all in all. That's from Hamlet. Finishing, I shall not look upon his like again. Hamlet, he's talking about his father, is also called Hamlet, confusingly. But his father is as imperfect as an individual as anyone, you or me, and much worse people. But one who rose to greatness, despite those flaws, a king of men. Yes, for most of his career, JT was an alpha male. He had an urge to conquer. That was the case on and off the pitch. He made mistakes, sometimes big mistakes, and didn't always apologise when it probably would have been right to do so. But people like Hamlet's father and John Terry don't become king by being nice or saying sorry. They eventually show who they really are by what they become after life's lessons. You see that now in the diverse friends and loved ones who stood by JT's side for years, right up to the point he now starts this new chapter in his career. I've no idea how good a coach John will prove in the long run, but I do know he was always unfailingly first to welcome new arrivals at Chelsea and always ready to watch and encourage youngsters at the dawn of their careers. My hunch is that he'll end up back at Chelsea in some capacity in due course and that the same mentality that made the player could produce a very successful coach. So... There you go. A bit of Shakespeare from London, from Paul Cannibal's Foundation launch. Thank you very much. Next up, we have my man Amadi uh, at Amaduit on Twitter, uh, host of the Carefree Blues and a, uh, a community manager for Copa90. Uh, he talks about his experience watching JT uh, and, and maybe uh, a moment that kind of cemented fandom for him. If you ask any Chelsea fan, young, old, been around the past 10 years, and you say the name John Terry, what it means to the club, they'll inevitably tell you that he's a captain leader legend, as goes with his name anytime you mention it. But there's, I think there's a little bit more to his uh, lead-by-example attitude, his unbelievable performances, his stalwart support of and respect for the club throughout those seasons, coming from the youth team all the way up to the first team, winning all there is to win with Chelsea colors on his back. Um, but there's two things for me that stand out the most. Uh, the first would be, I think, October 15th, 2006. John Terry was 
not the most likely candidate to be in goal for Chelsea, but following an injury to Carlo Cudicini and Petr Cech, who were both taken out of the game, um, carted off the field, he stepped up, put on the jersey and the gloves, and he played that position for us. And he may not have been the first choice, he may not have been the best candidate for it, but I'm sure John volunteered, stepped up, decided to take that, put the team on his back, and go forward with it. Um, that was only eight years into my fandom, and I knew already that he was going to be a club legend. But those sorts of inspirational moments that stick with you, that really show what kind of person, the kind of character, uh, the player, and of a man like John Terry, those things will stay with me as a Chelsea fan forever. Um, the second time that I think I really understood what it was to be a captain of a club as big and with a such a rich, rich history as Chelsea is that Champions League final 2008, when John Terry slipped, missed his PK, we ended up losing after an Elka's penalty was saved by Van der Sar. Um, everybody really wanted to give John a lot of stick for that, other teams, opposing fans. Um, to step up after Drogba had been sent off for getting for a silly slap in the face, I think, of Nemanja Vidic, um, and it cost the team, Terry was the one who said, hey, I'll take it. I mean can't possibly have been the best penalty taker on the team. He can't possibly maybe have been the fifth best penalty taker on the team. But in those situations, you step up when you feel confident, when you want to prove to the team, hey, I can I can do this. I can shoulder this burden. Um, John Terry did that in probably the most difficult and nerve-wracking and probably memorable moment for someone who's a center back taking a penalty kick. Um, <clears throat> yes, he missed. Yes, he slipped. It was awful. And if you hear from the players in the dressing room, players like Frank Lampard, um, who wouldn't begrudge him a second for missing that penalty. You know what it means for him to have put himself on the line. He was no bigger than the club. No one was. And John really embraced that. But the idea for him was that, hey, I can sacrifice myself, my dignity, my own good name, so that the team could win something. And every time you saw him put on the shirt, he embodied that. But those two instances really showed it and cemented it for me. Um, granted when he did finally win the Champions League and he put on the kit despite not playing in that match because he was suspended I didn't begrudge him for a second and no Chelsea fan would he had earned it all the years that he had been waiting up until that moment he'd earned it in the game when he got kicked in the face by Abu Dhabi and got knocked out in the game that he put on the goalie uniform in 2006 in the, when he missed the PK and then still came out there and faced the fans and gave his all next season it's, it's no easy feat to do any of these things but John did it because it was just his second nature so he will be missed, um, whether in the blue of Chelsea or otherwise, and I'm sure we'll be seeing him around Stamford Bridge or on Cobham in the future. But it's hard to say more. John was a captain, a leader, and a legend of this club, and he always will be. We also have Chelsea correspondent for ESPN FC, Liam Toomey, uh, going over his multiple uh, interactions with JT th- throughout his time with the club. I've got a ton of memories of John Terry, the player, but probably one that sticks with me as a journalist dealing with him Um, it was in January 2016 I I hadn't been actually covering Chelsea for very long for ESPN and and I went to MK Dons to cover an FA Cup tie there which Chelsea won very comfortably, they won 5-1 Terry captained the team picked up a booking but otherwise nothing really noteworthy about his performance or the game and I decided to go to the mix zone uh, rather than the press conference so that's where the players walk through and journalists try to stop them to talk to them (laughs) with mixed success Um, 
But what was unusual about this particular time was that we were speaking to Oscar, actually, for a couple of minutes, just a small huddle of us, about five of us journalists. And Terry did something which players very rarely do, almost never do in, in mix zones, in my experience, which is that he actually waited to talk to us um, without us explicitly flagging him down. He he decided to stop and he was sort of playing with his phone while he was waiting waiting for us to finish off with Oscar. And then he came over to talk to us. And it played out like a normal uh, post, post-game interview for about the first couple of minutes. And then one of the journalists just sort of floated a random question about any update on the contract John because he was he was scheduled to be out of contract at the end of that season and all of a sudden he he went into a long uh long monologue about I've been told my contract's not going to be renewed it's not going to be a fairy tale end for me at Chelsea and uh and we were all just absolutely flabbergasted and he he talked and talked about what Chelsea had meant to him and how it would be really sad to move on but he respected the club's decision uh, and it's the kind of thing that you never you never ever get you know just talking to a player after a game but he clearly had a reason for saying it and it, it subsequently emerged that, that Chelsea hadn't actually told him really that the door was closed on a new contract just that there was no, no none on the table but he knew that we would take those quotes, that we would put them out there and that they would get a reaction from, from Chelsea supporters and they would get Chelsea supporters to put pressure on, on the board to to offer him a new a new contract. And after several months of uh, sort of jousting between him and the club behind the scenes, he was finally offered a new deal in May and of course the 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 last part of that is is history he he stayed for another year the 2016-17 season and he he won another premier league title out of it and i think what what i took from from that interaction was that um it, i think it showed how much terry wanted to fight for his future at chelsea he wasn't ready to leave he wasn't ready to give up on trying to be a defender at the elite level and I think he showed the the determination um, in terms of his wrangling off the pitch that he so often showed on the pitch to to Chelsea's benefit in order to to kind of encourage them, shall we say, to give him one last year at the club. Um, but I think he also showed a level of political savvy that maybe people don't always associate with John Terry. Um, but that I think will serve him really well as a manager going forward. Now, clearly, he's not a manager yet. He's, he's only the assistant at Aston Villa, but I think he will get his chance, whether it's at Villa or elsewhere. Um, and, you know, episodes like that, I think, show that he's got the he's got the nous, he's got the, the know-how uh, to be able to succeed and, and get his message across wherever he goes and uh, I, I really look forward to seeing the next act of John Terry's career because as we all know the, the the playing career was pretty much as spectacular as they come. Co-host of the Calcio Land podcast and the byline on YouTube, Alex Goldberg will remember most JT's winning mentality.
the thing I love most about John Terry is he was a true winner. He defined winner. Way too often we throw around the term winner once someone has won once and it really loses its substance. But John Terry was an actual winner. Won all throughout his career. Early on in his career in 2000, winning the FA Cup. Late on in his career in 2017, winning the Premier League. He won it all and he won constantly, consistently. If he was on the pitch, Chelsea had a chance to win. And that's about all you can ask for. And if he was on the pitch, he was going to do everything possible for you to win. Not just play immaculate elite defense. He was a goal threat as well constantly coming up with big goals if he was on the pitch he was going to give you everything humanly possible that he had to help the team win that's what defines a winner that's what defines a captain that's what defines someone that every player wants to play with there was a reason why John Terry's teammates always felt so confident going into battle with him it was because he was going to lead by example he was going to show you the effort it takes in winning and that is so admirable and that is such a fortune such a fortune as a Chelsea fan to be able to say he was your captain for as long as he was John Terry defined a winner defined captain leader legend all right now let's hear from the erudite Clayton Bierman author and fan cast contributor who talks about his favorite full kit moment from our captain leader legend and the many lovely goals he scored. This is Clayton Beamer from the Chelsea Fancast. The London is Blue Boys have asked me for some thoughts about John Terry, which I'm delighted to give you. I've been watching Chelsea for a long time, as anybody who listens to the podcast will know. And he is without doubt Mr. Chelsea. There have been loads of players who have come and gone. But for me, whenever I see John Terry... There's never any doubt that he is blue through and through. As we know, there's been a lot of rubbish written about him over the years. But not necessarily in a balanced way insofar as, from my perspective, not only was he a great leader on the pitch, he was a very good defender and a very good footballer. And I think it's a great shame that, as history will dictate, that there may be too much of that focused on rather than what he achieved in the game. So what are my favourite memories? Well, ironically, one of my best memories is the one that he is mocked for mercilessly, and that was when we won the Champions League. I love the fact that he came on and he contributed to those celebrations afterwards. He, like many of his teammates, were cheated out of the Champions League a couple of years before. And the irony that we won the trophy with not our best side was not lost. But I'm so glad that he was out there, he was pictured with the trophy, because it was every much his trophy as it was everybody else's. He contributed so much to getting that team to that position on that day. There were loads of other great memories that I can think of and lots of them will basically be goals. As we know, he was a bit prodigious for a defender. One of my favourite goals was the goal that he scored against Barcelona. 
in the 4-2 win at home with Mr Carvalho performing the dark arts on the goalkeeper but it was great that he should be the one to get the winning goal. There's lots of talk about the goal that he scored against Everton in the 97th minute a couple of years ago. It was a game that we should never have drawn but his never-say-die spirit made sure that we did get something from that game and that really summed him up. Then we had the opening goal in the League Cup final against Tottenham where he welled the ball in, scoring the first of our goals that day. Where John Terry was great for me is that every game mattered. You'll see that some of our players over the years and some of our legends were huge game players and they'd always turn up when it really mattered. But sometimes they didn't when it was a lesser game. But you would never ever have that fear with JT. One thing that was interesting is that despite the ire that he took from opposing fans, there was also a grudging respect. Whenever you heard people on telephone, phone-ins complaining about their team and the lack of backbone, there would always be one player that they really wanted, and that was JT. We were lucky, we had this guy for years, he was a backbone of the greatest ever Chelsea team, and he was our greatest ever captain. A couple of years ago, we played at Ashburton Grove, and we drew nil-nil with Arsenal, and one of my friends, who was a big Arsenal season ticket holder, gave me the normal spiel about how much he detested John Terry and was quite happy to boo him like everybody else. But he said he had a night off that night and actually sat there in wonderment at this one-man mountain who defended for his life and made sure that Arsenal didn't score that night. It was all about Chelsea for JT and I have absolutely no doubt that he will be back at some stage in some sort of managerial career at the Blues. So from someone who is privileged enough to watch him play on numerous occasions, I wish him a very happy retirement and look forward to seeing him back at the bridge. Our friend Nini FC, Chelsea supporter and vlogger at Blue Lions TV on YouTube, talks about the technical elements many failed to recognize during John Terry's playing career and meeting the skipper as a young fan on a plane ride back from Liverpool. It still feels kind of crazy that Terry has retired from football now. Kind of feels like yesterday when he was captaining us at Stamford Bridge and um, obviously good luck to him in his future endeavours with Aston Villa. But John Terry, I mean, let's be serious. By far the best ever defender in the Premier League. The guy could do everything. One of the most underrated players at the same time. I mean, the guy's reading of the game was fantastic, but it was his technical abilities as well that was just incredible. I've never seen anyone head the ball as good as John Terry. And I don't know if I'll ever see anyone as accurate as John Terry. I mean, the guy was so accurate. It looked like he was passing the ball with his head. No matter if he was under pressure or had two players on him, he was always composed. And Terry rarely, rarely ever cleared the ball out of danger unless he really had to. His passing was amazing. First touch passes he could do. Use his left foot, his right foot for those 70-yard crossfield passes as well. But as just his desire and leadership as well. You know, when he that that fight he has in his persona, 
You know, I mean, that ability to fight through the pain. I mean, how many times has Terry been synonymous with that? For example, you know, playing a whole season with a broken foot or a bad toe or a, or a, or a bad back. And he still fought through and committed himself very well. And it's like, how many players, they can't play to their best abilities with even, with even slight knocks and injuries to their game. But Terry was regularly fighting through pain quite a lot throughout his career. And really, you can see why he garnered so much respect from his teammates and from the people around him. And he was so respected amongst his uh, fellow professionals. But with John Terry, you know, another side of him that no one really uh, speaks about too much is his his human side. I mean, um, you know, the guy really understands what it means to uh, to be a professional footballer for the fans. And what do I mean by that? Well, the guy always had time for autographs. He always made the effort. You know, anytime uh, there were things happening on social media, Terry was always there to help support causes as well. And he was really, really just symbolised what it means to be a captain for a football club. Anytime you think of a captain, leader and a legend, you do think of John Terry. And you know, just to let you guys know, I mean, there was a time when I, I was really young with my dad. We were at, uh, went to the Liverpool game where... Gronkiar scored at the end to take us into the Champions League for next season and that was when Roman came and I remember you were on the plane getting the flight there it was me with some other Man United kids as well and we were on the same flight as the Chelsea squad so of course you know my dad took us to obviously uh, go to John Terry's to get an autograph and then he offered if we wanted the other players autographs as well and then what he did was he got off his seat and he actually went around the plane getting all the players autographs and whenever they didn't put their names down beside their signatures John Terry would do that and he did that for three autograph books as well now you know some people might think oh really it's not a big deal at all you know if he's the if he's a football player for the club you support that's like the bare minimum he needs to do but he doesn't need to do anything like that. He could have simply just given his autograph and left. But he always went above and beyond every single time. And I think it's that mentality that served him so well throughout his entire career. To go above and beyond. And for me, this is why the guy is one of Chelsea's greatest ever players. He is the greatest ever defender at this club. I don't see anyone being as good as him. And obviously, good luck to John Terry in his future endeavours. Olivia Buscalo. Um, Premier League Productions and Chelsea supporter talks about growing up as a fan of our captain leader legend. What can I say about John Terry? Well, when I was younger, I used to be one of those people that would stand outside the training ground waiting for autographs and pictures. And every single time he would stop, no matter what, he would always let let us come over and have a picture and picture with him and he, he would get so he had pictures of him on, on his back car so he would get them out sign sign them for us give them to us and he was always one of those players that I knew if I ever met he would be lovely and I've met him a few times over the years and he's even promised me I'll be able to interview him one day he's just I think he's just an all-round great guy and as as for football and where football's concerned um I don't think we will ever 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 find a player like him again his passion, his leadership. He, he he just was everything you ever wanted in a modern day footballer. Um, and we were so lucky to have him at our club for so many years and leading us into so many amazing, incredible moments and trophies galore. We were just very lucky. And I mean, he would put his heart and soul and his body and everything on the line um, just to win a game. And he... I just, I think nowadays you struggle to find all of that in a player. People scared to go in for tackles, people scared to go in for headers. And with John Terry, you just knew that he would leave everything on that pitch. It was 100% or nothing. Um, 
and yeah, he was just, he was the perfect captain. I think we've seen how many players come out since his retirement saying how much of an impact he's had on them um, as young players. And I think even even continuing to do so now when he goes back and coaches the younger teams. And I, I think he'll do an incredible job wherever, obviously at Aston Villa, but I hope to see him back um, standing on the Chelsea touchline um, one day. But yeah, all I can say is thank you for the memories you made being a Chelsea fan for for that period of time absolutely incredible and we will never ever find anyone like John Terry I don't think again thanks JT Jeff Barzello of ESPN and reoccurring guest on the podcast talks about John Terry and his ability to rise back up through many adverse moments during his career hey what's up everyone it's Jeff Barzello from ESPN uh frequent uh guest on the London is Blue podcast and I talked about this a little bit on the last podcast I was on a couple of weeks ago, but uh, you know I have to say a couple of words about John Terry. When, when I think of him, a, a few a few moments come to mind. I mean, one, you know, yes, it was that miss. Um, I was in college when it happened. Um, I think it was 2008, and it was only a few years after I really started getting into European football, and so. It was one of my first true uh, heartbreaks, I guess, in the football world. And, you know, despite how um, disappointing and disheartening and um, frustrating and sad and everything it was, um, I'll never forget where I was, what I was doing. And so to me, you know, it's still a negative. But at the end of the day, to me, it was sort of a defining moment for John Terry. It was just, and he talked about this years later, is that, you know, he, he would wake up in the middle of the night having nightmares about it. And um, at the time, obviously, it was horrible and, and, and everything, but I, I do think it was a defining moment for him, and I think it, you know, at least it was a little bit of motivation. It was a learning experience, all that. And for him to bounce back and and continue to be, you know, because there are some guys that that miss will, will keep them down, and, and, you know, especially in big games, and it'll always be in the back of their head. And um, for him, it, he just he just kept getting better and better and better, and and led Chelsea to more trophies and um, kept um, going for European glory. Um, speaking of that, one of the other ones is is obviously the the twenty twelve final, which he didn't play, uh, but when he changed and went full kit uh, after the match to lift the trophy, to me it was hilarious. Uh, it was kind of absurd, and he probably deserved the uh, the shots he took from pundits or social media or whatever, but. You know, to me, it was awesome, and, and I'll never knock him for that. It's, it's. I mean, obviously, if if you're if you're not a Chelsea fan or you hate John Terry, which a lot of people do, you know, you're gonna knock him for it forever because again, it it was kind of absurd and it was kind of hilarious and all that. But again, he, you know, another moment that you know you'll always remember about him. And for me, the other one was you know he played every minute of every single match in the 2014-15 season. Um, it wasn't obviously a specific moment, but to me, it you know it came more than two years after Rafa said he you know he couldn't play as much as he used to. I think he only played in, in you know in thirteen or fourteen uh, matches that year under Rafa. Uh, you know he had a few injuries and it just didn't seem you know almost seemed like he was sort of breaking down. His uh, you know his career was was you know on the on the down slope, but you know every minute of every single match in a, in a trophy winning season to me, that was just, you know, peak John Terry. It was, um, you know, it was, it was everything a leader is supposed to be made of. And he went out there and did it. You know, what was he the, the best center back in the world at that time? Probably not. He wasn't the fastest. He wasn't any, but 
you know, he went out there every single match, every single game. And to me, that's, that's just prototypical John Terry. Um, yeah, for me, it's the, you know, those three things that, that sort of sum up, um, his career or at least the, the last, um, last half of his Chelsea career. So, you know, there's, there's all the stats, you know, the, you know, the eight goals in 2005, which by the way, would have been fourth uh, on Chelsea last season. And, um, you know, there's, there's so many stats that you could throw out there for him, more goals than any other defender, uh, in the premier league. But for me, it was the moments. It was the sad, it was the disappointing with the champions league. It was the funny and kind of absurd with the, um, changing into from, from not being able to play to changing into full kit at the champions league final. And then just playing every minute of every single game. Again, it wasn't a single moment, but for me, just that itself just shows, you know, what he was made of. And to me, that was, that was typical John Terry. That was, you know, captain leader legend uh, in a nutshell. And so for me, that's John Terry. Jake Cohen, sports lawyer and Chelsea supporter, talks about John Terry, England's best striker. Hi, this is Jake Cohen. And the first time I saw John Terry play was in November 2004. My family and I had been spending Thanksgiving in Ireland, and my brother and I were able to convince our cousins to take us to London uh, for the weekend to see a proper English football match. Um, They somehow ended up getting tickets uh, for us to watch Charlton Athletic play at the Valley. Um, Chelsea happened to be the away team, and they were 1-0 at the half. Uh, Second half starts. Within 30 seconds, Chelsea gets a corner. John Terry heads it home uh, 2-0. And then they reset, um, and then as soon as Sean kicks off, Chelsea somehow gets the ball back. John Terry runs down the pit, scores again. So he's got twice in five minutes. Uh, Chelsea ended up winning 4-0. Um, and when I went home to Boston for about a solid year thereafter, which is pretty embarrassing to say, I remember telling all my friends um, that I saw England's best striker, uh, probably the best striker in the world, John Terry, um, you know, play you know up close live and in person um because who else but a top striker can score twice in five minutes right i mean you know that's just what i thought um and it just really shows how little i knew about english football chelsea and john terry at the time but in the almost 15 years since i've been very very lucky to learn quite a bit more (laughs) um so john terry and my experience as a chelsea fan have been intertwined from the start and I'll be forever grateful to John and for the rest of that starting 11 for being on form that day, or else I could very well have been a Charlton fan right now, um, which would be a much, much different experience uh, than watching Chelsea in Champions League win a Champions League final. Um, Charlton these days are playing, I think, on like Tuesdays and Saturdays uh, in League One. So uh, thank you again, John, and the rest of that starting 11 from the bottom of my heart uh, for being on form that day. Um, but on a more serious note, as great as a footballer he is, John's actually an even better person, which is saying quite a bit. Um, for every charitable cause we hear about him supporting or random act of kindness that we hear about him showing to a fan who's reached out, um, there's probably a hundred of these incidents of these instances uh, that we don't hear about. Um, whenever he interacts with fans, he seems just as grateful for our support as we are. For what he's done for the club. Um, I think this is a very rare thing and speaks volumes about how much Chelsea and the community around it mean to him. 
you know, he's mentored hundreds of young players, and there are dozens of top, top footballers who came through Chelsea as young players, and to this day would absolutely run through a wall for John. So beyond the fact that he's won everything there is to win as a player, helping lead Chelsea to 15 major trophies, playing 800 matches, over 800 matches for club and country, you know, five-time FIFA World Eleven, three-time UEFA Defender of the Year, 2005 PFA Player of the Year. Beyond all that, I think what's going to make him a fantastic coach and manager is this innate mentoring, leadership, and care for the club and community that he's a part of that's going to serve him really, really well. And I, for one, cannot wait to follow along with his new journey. Thanks for everything, John. Vaishali Badwa of the Evening Standard speaks about witnessing firsthand John Terry's impact at Chelsea during the 2016-17 season when the captain didn't spend as much time impacting on the pitch as he did from behind it. So that's it. John Terry has retired from playing. He is now entering into his first coaching role, of course. That's with Aston Villa. Interestingly, the club who he made his debut against when he came on as a teenager for Chelsea, the club he would go on to become a Chelsea legend at. Um, Now, John Terry worked under several high-profile managers during his time at Chelsea, but I was there covering the club when John Terry was playing under Antonio Conte. And it was interesting for me to watch on and see Conte come into the job coming to his first job in England, um, a new football culture, a new team, a team that had a legend in the form of John Terry there and work so closely with John Terry to, to steer the club to success, of course, to the Premier League title in his first season in charge. And I was really impressed by how the pair managed to work together, despite the fact that Conte did not actually play John Terry that much during that 2016-2017 Premier League season. And that was because he preferred to have a three-man defence made up of the likes of David Luiz, uh, Cesar, Azpilicueta and, of course, Gary Cahill. And that meant that John Terry had to you know, take up a, a place on the bench, which was something that was foreign to him you know, because he had been a regular at Chelsea for so long. But he took it well and he understood that while his career was coming to an end at Chelsea, he could still offer a lot to, to Conte and the team. And he did that in the dressing room. He did that off the pitch. Um, I think his experience of, of knowing the players, of, of knowing the football culture at the club and, of course, the Premier League, that was vital and crucial to Antonio Conte's success in that first season in charge of Chelsea. Um, you know, John Terry provided a link between Conte and the players and he was important in, in you know, spurring and motivating the players off the pitch, um, even if he couldn't help them on the pitch. Um, I also remember just what he was like off, you know, off the pitch in terms of his personality. I'll tell you a really good story. I mean, there, there was once I was at a Chelsea press conference on a Friday and the, the team were playing away. I can't remember who they were going to play in the Premier League, but they were boarding their, their team bus at their training ground in Cobham. And John Terry got on, he seemed to be in a very playful mood. He got on the bus and he sat next to one of the windows and, and on came Gary Cahill and the pair started banging the windows and I'm not quite sure what they were banging the windows for but they were having a, a laugh and they were creating a little you know a fun atmosphere and shortly afterwards Diego Costa got on the bus and started um, 
you know, sort of sounding the horn. And it was just, you know, a sort of playful, a light-hearted atmosphere. And, you know, while John Terry was serious on the pitch, while he knew how to steer the club to success on the pitch, he was also a light-hearted and fun character off it. So, he, you know, he knew how to have fun with his teammates and you know a lot of people will remember him for what he did on the pitch but off the pitch he was crucial and for me while covering Chelsea during that time period um, I will remember how he played such a crucial part in that first season that Antonio Conte was in charge. John Lalichon from 100% Chelsea gives us some personal thoughts on John Terry and what it was like to be around the club when he was there. Hi, this is Jeanne from 100% Chelsea. John Terry for me is the most loyal player we've ever had, a true captain legend. I mean, he earned the respect of so many in the game, showing the leader and great, great player he was. Um, and also I've had the chance to meet him a few times at the training ground. And he's always said hi to me, like very polite, always asking how I am or if he recognises me at a party or with the players or at Stamford Bridge. He will just never ignore me, always came over and say hi. And trust me, uh, not all the players act like that. Most of the time they just wave or ignore you. But yeah, he always came to say hi and, and that's something special. Uh, he says a lot about the person he is, I think. Um, he did. He dedicated so much to his club and the game and that's why he's the best centre-back ever, I think, in the, in the history. Uh, for me, something that I will remember will be when he celebrated the um, 2012 um, victory in the Champions League. Um, obviously, he didn't play that game, but it was kind of like his revenge on the 2008 loss uh, where he missed that pen. And uh, I was in Munich uh, in the Allianz Arena in the stand, and trust me, it was incredible to see him finally holding this trophy. Um, yeah, it, it was incredible for him. I think uh, all the all the Chelsea fans were so happy for him. He deserved it so badly. And um, also, um, his last game when he gave this this pitch, you know. Um, when we won the league the last time, uh, it was so emo emotional. You could just hear it in his voice, uh, how he loves this club and he just gave everything to it. And uh, and yeah, he scored um, many goals for us uh, and he's been such a good defender and um, I think he's always respected the club and that's why so many people like him at Chelsea and as well the youngsters, I think, what he did for them. Um, it was always there for them, always showing the, the good way. And uh, yeah, he's Mr. Chelsea and uh, he will always be. We also have a friend of the podcast, Chad Harris, who is the chapter head for the Twin City Blues. And he wanted to share a couple of thoughts that he's had about JT over the years. This is Chad Harris from the Twin Cities Blues in Minneapolis. And the JT memory I'd like to share is a little unique because it's probably the worst moment of JT's career, his missed penalty in Moscow. Despite what happened that night, it's the moment I knew I was a Chelsea supporter. You see, back in those heady days of Fox Soccer Channel, I was still a neophyte to the English game. I watched a lot of Chelsea simply because they were often the feature team. And so when I watched the final in Moscow, I found myself rooting for Chelsea. The end of the game was, of course, heartbreaking. Watching JT's reaction to losing that game nearly brought me to tears, and in doing so, it gave me an emotional connection to a club that I had never felt before and that I still feel to this day. So thank you, John Terry, our captain, leader, and legend. Your love of Chelsea was so evident that night in Moscow. Even in your darkest moment, you gave your club a lifelong supporter. From having nothing to having everything, 
Jonathan Kidd of the Chelsea Fancast and longtime supporter shares his thoughts and tributes to John Terry. I always wanted everyone to like John Terry as much as I did. I don't mean just Chelsea supporters. We all loved him. He was the best centre-half Chelsea had ever had. Certainly the best ever in the Premier League. Probably one of the best in the world. I mean, I wanted everyone else who weren't Chelsea to like him. And it never happened. Still hasn't. He's still detested by other supporters as a nasty piece of work. A prick. Scum of the earth. Some misguided journalists recently compared him with serial murderer Harold Shipman and he should never be forgiven for his transgressions. Some Villa fans, when he played last season for them, refused to watch them because they'd signed him. But once he played a season for them and they got to know the real JT, they loved him too. He's not had it easy or helped himself really with two parents keen to be on the wrong side of the law and a series of misdemeanours that have haunted him from his youth that are always vomited up by the media to discredit him, to somehow undermine all his achievements. The parking in a disabled bay, the affray, the supposed affair with Wayne Bridge's ex-wife, which the papers had to print an apology for for making up, the abuse of an American couple after 9-11, the being paid to take people around the training ground scandal and of course the racial abuse of abuse of Anton Ferdinand, which of course a court of law found him innocent for. All this is continually dredged up as an example of how foul a person John Terry is. And when it is dredged up and you don't hear of all the good deeds he gets up to, got up to, his charity work, his encouragement of players to speak to the fans and sign autographs, his always going into the opposition changing room to thank and congratulate players, his advice and coaching of youth team players, his presence in the changing room, his respect from top players he's played against, his paying for the funeral costs for an eight-year-old Chelsea fan with leukaemia, etc., etc. All these, this means nothing to the many who've tarred him with this brush of delinquent. How is it redeemable? Will it ever be? I don't think so. He's the man the supporters misguidedly love to hate and now take the piss out of since he turned up in his gear at the Champions League final to celebrate with the team with the meme of him appearing at other events in his gear like the fall of the Berlin Wall, the Battle of Hastings, VE Day, the freeing of Nelson Mandela, Wellington's victory at Waterloo and every win by Team GB at the Olympics. But if you're Chelsea, of course... You love him. You love his effort, his commitment, his courage, his skill, his achievements, say it all. Five Premier League titles, four FA Cups, three League Cups, one Europa League title and the non-appearance in a Champions League win, which I've mentioned when he was suspended, but he played in all the other rounds and anyway he wore his kit on the field to join his teammates and lift up the cup so everyone's forgotten he didn't actually play in the final. 500 plus appearances for the Blues and I saw his first ever full appearance at Boundary Park, Oldham, in the FA Cup. We won 2-0. I think he played right back. Viali scored twice in the second half. I have hardly any memory of JT at all, except that he was given constant advice by someone, I think Desai, and he looked youthful, as you'd expect, and played OK against a not very good Division Two side, and of course didn't give any hints of the player he was to become. It looked like just another youth team debut. Of course, we had no idea of what he'd achieve. My main memory of his debut was Celestine Babayaro, the Chelsea fullback on that day in 1998, 
punching the ball into the Oldham net in the first half. And everyone, every single fan in the crowd seeing that, other than the ref, Paul Durkin, and the linesman. And Durkin awarding the goal. And Babayaro not even celebrating doing his flick-flack thing because he'd clearly punched the ball and knew he had. I mean, not even a Maradona-style hidden hand punch. A blatant, I can't reach the ball with my head, so I'll punch it in punch. Dennis Wise initially celebrated but he saw it had been a punch and sort of wandered off and the Oldham players and crowd went absolutely ballistic with a view to a possible crowd invasion when the ref pointed to the halfway line. I mean it was that obvious and a policeman actually wandered up to the ref who had dithered a bit and decided to consult the linesman and the policeman clearly prevented a riot by advising him what had actually happened and the ref disallowed the goal. But I digress. Despite JT's brilliance, and let's be honest, he was absolutely brilliant. Great tackler, great header of the ball, wonderful positional play, an ability to shrug off practically any injury, injuries that other players would be forced off from. He seemed to run off. We used to say he'd even play with a broken leg and put, put a piece of sticky tape on the crack. Not the fastest player ever, but still a decent turn of speed and great positionally, and 41 goals for the club. Bloody hell, we could do with him now at corners. Despite his brilliance, only Chelsea and now Villa love him. And that really annoys me. Guest on the podcast, friend of the show and announcer on multiple different sports for ESPN, Chris Fowler talks about the feeling that Chelsea supporters had when JT was on the pitch. When I think of John Terry, it's not a memory of a particular moment I think about the feeling that you had as a Chelsea fan when he was on the pitch. Sure, there were moments. I think about that 2004-2005 season, which for any Blues fan is always going to stand as a, a very, very special moment. You know, First time in half a century winning the Premier League, and he emerged as the, the rock in the middle and a leader and scored a bunch of goals that year too. You think of the moment in 2012 May 19th in, in Munich, lifting the Champions League trophy after the greatest win in club history, probably, a game that he played no part in, of course, because of the red card, but still was such a part of the chase and the pursuit of that. And to watch him hold that trophy there on that night after that incredible, improbable victory was just amazing. But I think it's the feeling that he gave by being such a stalwart in the middle. 2015 Premier League title team had a chance to be there when the Blues got the clinching points in Stamford Bridge. And just to salute this man in person that I believe played every minute of every game and the feeling that you had when Chelsea were protecting a lead and absorbing pressure and trying to fight off scoring chance after scoring chance, just to have that big, tall, charismatic, presence in the middle it was just invaluable it gave you such a sense of security and confidence even the most nerve-wracking moments that Chelsea were just going to see the game off and that kind of thing is almost impossible to replace so it's not the memories it's just the feeling that John Terry gave as a Chelsea supporter being that rock in the middle for so many years amazing amazing stories from uh 
plenty of friends of the podcast. Again, go thank them on social media uh, for jumping in and, and giving us their takes on JT. And again, we encourage you to send yours to us so we can continue to share them uh, throughout the week. And you know, hopefully we can even get them in front of JT, if at all possible. Uh, but moving on to more of these social media stories that we got, uh, Dan, really cool graphic that came from Reddit comparing the U.S. fans' memories of JT and the U.K. memories of JT. Yeah, I want to shout out to the actually the, the whole Chelsea subreddit who was really kind and offering up some perspective, but one in particular, uh, Weekapang, who decided to give us a little bit of a lowdown. They had done a survey this summer to kind of understand a little bit more, you know, during the absence of football when there is nothing, when it is dark and sad and, you know, the night is full of terror. Um, they did a survey about memories of John Terry and he shared that the, they changed a little bit based upon where you're from. So for individuals based out of the UK, uh, top three instances of John Terry Momies, uh, memories were putting on the full kit to celebrate winning the 2011-12 Champions League. Um, the goal against Barcelona in the 2004-2005 UCL round of 16. And then a two-way a, a two tie for third place with the first Premier League title, 2004-2005, and then winning the 2011-2012 championship uh, for the, uh, the Champions League. Whereas in the U.S., uh, playing goalkeeper uh, against Reading during the 2006-2007 season was number one, <laughs> interestingly enough. Uh, clearly, Brandon and the goalkeepers' union had some level of influence on this. And then... Uh, winning the Champions League, number two, and then the goal against Barcelona. So, that, you know, there is overlap between, uh, the, you know, the U.S. and U.K., Nick, not as different as you might think. Yeah, I was actually surprised the the goal against Napoli and you know didn't make this uh, list for either one of them. Uh, I mean, I, m- multiple people have told me that that Napoli match was just absolutely the, one of the most bonkers atmospheres you've ever, you know, could have experienced at the bridge and JT had a big part uh, to play there. So very interesting um, that that didn't make it, but all in all, Mike, pretty good memories here, huh? Oh, fantastic. I, almost too many to choose from. Um, I, I found it pretty difficult myself trying to pick out just one. And I think there were a lot of people who um, there was just too much to, to choose from and they almost didn't even reply because of that. There's no shortage of, of memories and, and highlights of his career. Um, but we did get two really awesome personal stories of actual interactions with John uh, from our friends on Twitter. So the first one is from at CFC Daily. And they said, JT was a class act and showed he had time for the fans many years ago. Chelsea had an open training session at Stamford Bridge and he came off early picking up an injury. Two hours after the session, him and his dad were still around the ground and spotted JT. They ended up having over a 10-minute conversation with him. And there's a picture of JT essentially on crutches at Stanford Bridge out in what appears to be a chilly, gray, rainy day. Happy to chat up with the fans. And this is the stuff that the fans love so much about him. Uh, Nick, we had another one from at Greenaway56. That is correct. Uh, uh, said this, at her first match, age 10, our daughter said to JT that she wanted to play football, 
and asked what boots she should have. He asked her what size she was, and at the next home game, he gave her a pair of new boots. Like, unbelievable. Uh, at every home game from then on, he would make a point of talking to our daughter if he saw her, and on one occasion at a night match when she couldn't come, he told us to ring her and spoke to her on the phone, <laughs> which is like... Amazing. I mean, there's going above and beyond, and then there's that, you know? Then there's, there's that thing, and I think... I don't know, guys, like... To me, there are a lot of athletes who who do the right thing and and you know engage the fans, especially you know if they have like signs or their jersey or whatever. Uh, but uh, it just it doesn't take a lot to make people's day, you know. And I think that's just a really great example of of JT just going out of his way to make a young fan's day. You know, not only that, absolutely, and honestly, if there are more personal interaction stories, please send them. Like these are the ones that really like give me the goosebumps, and and you know, just just shows how deep of a human you know he is in going out of his way. Dan, on the other side of it, this is where the list is literally endless. Where his match highlights and and highlights from his actual playing career itself. Um, friend of the pot at Care for Youth kicking this one off. Yeah, he, he highlighted uh, one of my favorite goals uh, or non-goals that John Terry scored. Thank goodness VAR was not even a consideration at this point in time. But the 98th minute equalizer against Everton he scored and his, his celebration into the fans uh, showed us how much he was one of us. And I remember like just jumping up and down and going absolutely bonkers when he scored that, uh, you know, uh, Mike. And I just, you know, I I think, you know, my reaction probably matched JT's reaction and was probably how we all felt seeing that goal and and watching that result just kind of flip on a a pin right at the end. A little bit more awkward since you were at a restaurant and, you know, kind of was celebrating with people who had no idea what was going on. Uh, you know, yeah, and I would, I would, I would, I would quickly say on this one, I think the thing that gets overlooked about that goal, Dan, is that that was in the middle of the terrible season, the terrible, uh, 15, 16 season where we couldn't do anything right. And it just showed me that he was willing to fight till the end. And I think the reason he jumped into the crowd was, you know, just to kind of let loose a little bit, you know, it'd been a frustrating year. Uh, clearly didn't go to to plan, and you know by this point Mourinho was gone for the second time, and I think that he he did a really good job of owning it, uh, and and you know when he got that f- back heel f- flick, whatever that was, uh, to go in, I mean it was just it was a pretty incredible moment. Uh, th- and this was one that was pretty popular for us on social media, so I'm I'm glad we pulled that out, uh, Mike. I think. This is actually one that uh, Jeff Borzello from last week's pod pulled out. Uh, but this coming from Atlav CFC, what did uh, he pull out from memory? Yeah, this is one of my personal favorites as well. And he wanted to say, not a specific memory, but playing every minute of the 14-15 title winning season at the ages of 33 and 34 at such an elite le- level. Incredible. Um, uh, I don't think there's enough said about this. It was it was the second time that someone had ever uh, won the league while playing every single minute of every single game. I mean, what an Iron Man to do that. And then on top of it, I mean, this is coming the season previously where uh, Rafa Benitez said that he couldn't even play twice a week. So I think this is just the epitome of the fight that he showed um, to be able to, 
to kind of like rejuvenate his career and just show us truly who he was. The fact is, most of the time, it's a goalkeeper who plays every minute of every <laughs> match in a league season. It just that's the way it works out. So for an out, well, for a field when you get player, a red card, when you get a red card, yeah, you know, you get taken off, and the substitute has to come in. Brandon, you know, just like you, you know, some goalkeepers just you know rush out, charge someone, you know, get cautioned, and you know can't finish the game. That's okay. That's, okay. That's how I feel on the show every week. Yeah, you, know? <laughs> you know, just get to pick up the slack. <laughs> yeah. So the next one, uh, you know, highlighting his technical ability, and that is from the Chelsea subreddit from Soren underscore Camus 1905, uh, saying that wonderful volley against Wigan really highlighted the technical side of his game, which was often o- overlooked to which uh, Hamanita Muscaria responding say, still never forgot this. Dude's leg had an engine. Uh, Its own engine. (laughs) You know, he was. He was a highly, highly technical player, which, again, we talked to why he didn't fade. So, you know, when he got into his 30s, like even Rio and other players, I think Joe Tweeds was talking about this on the fan cast, you know, he was able to play at an elite level at at his higher age because – his game was built on his technical ability. You know, you have Glanville talking about his first touch, and, you know, people forget he's a right-foot dominant player playing on the left side because he was able to ping a 40-yard ball on a dime with both feet, and that's what made him such a weapon no matter where he was on the field. This also really just quickly gives me a second to just remember, not a particular moment, but something that I kind of feel like he invented uh, along the way for Chelsea fans, which was one or two times a match, especially in his prime, he would go on one of those trademark runs upfield to get the rest of the team kind of into it. Um, And it it was something that really sticks out to me because, uh, you know, it it just kind of gave you pause that, you know, JT was kind of coming out of the friendly confines of what was this, you know, a, a stonewall back line to try and push the team on to score because, you know, maybe the midfield wasn't playing well that day, or maybe, you know, our wingers, you know, were pushing far enough up. And, you know, he felt like he had to kind of take it on himself to lead in that moment on the pitch. And, and Mike, Mike, I don't know, you, you played center back, but I don't know if you made a bunch of those marauding runs, but man, that, you know, that, that volley against Wiggins, you know, it, those types of moments, you know, even the goalie scored against Everton isn't possible if he doesn't have the initiative and gumption to go for it. Yeah, it's amazing. I, I think one of the things uh, in his career that sometimes we don't even reflect on is is that dual threat of not only was he just a fantastic defender, but the man has 67 goals to his name for uh, for Chelsea. I mean, 20th all time. How <laughs> that, that's that's utterly uh, astonishing to me. Uh, and I did love to bomb forward and you know really a striker playing as a center back, but. Um, you know, he is somebody that I modeled my playing after. And yeah, I mean, you, I, we could go on all day. We could, but we'll keep it moving, I promise. Uh, so just some shout outs here. So Chelsky365 on the subreddit saying the goal against Barcelona springs to mind. And that goes as well for Frederick underscore, underscore Carberg on Instagram. He was saying it was, you know, that goal in 1415 against Barcelona or. 
he is also remembering the title winning season when he played every single minute in the Premier League season. Same thing with Zach Kress on Instagram, every single minute in the 14-15 season, even pointing out he failed to put a foot wrong, playing in every match, revitalizing his moniker. Um, and then slowing it down, Nick, quick shot CFC, obviously a very personal friend of the podcast, Eric, um, talking about two specific memories he has. Right. He said, I have two fond memories. Uh, one was when I first saw him in the flesh and they played against Club America at Stanford Stadium. Uh, during uh, Jose's second season in charge. The second is seeing him in the flesh at the bridge, knowing full well it was going to be his last season with us. So he was on our, our same trip with us. Um, and look, I mean, I think that's that's dead on too. I mean, he he was larger than life uh, for a lot of uh, Chelsea fans. And, the, you know, Mike referenced this, and we, we referenced it early on in the pot as well, that, you know, it was special to see him play, Brandon. I mean, it was just it was a whole different level. Absolutely. Easily the the biggest highlight for me on our first trip. And again, that's my first time ever being to Stanford. Of everything that were first for me, a JT sub appearance was by far and away the biggest highlight for me that trip. Uh, an interesting one from James underscore Dewhurst on Instagram saying, his Sky Sports program, my special day, John Terry. I'll have to look that one up. I don't know if that's made it over here yet. Uh, but Dan, this one absolutely gives you the chills when you hear of it from Chase um, on Facebook, his favorite memory is probably one of all of ours. Lampard's corner! It's it in there! And look Go who it is! Didn't it have to be John Terry? Advantage Chelsea! Advantage Chelsea! The captain's done it! Lampard with the corner! Terry! Oh, um, no. Maybe not <laughs> exactly how it was announced, but in my mind, that's how it feels uh, to kind of think through uh, the, you know, obviously a special connection that the two of them had, uh, not just uh, in kind of their bond in their careers, but, uh, you know, how they played on the pitch, too. But, uh, yeah, very, very good highlight moment there as well. Yeah, and for those of you that need to translate it, uh, that would be anytime Lampard took a corner kick and it was Terry <laughs> on the other end of it. The announcers just loving every moment of it. All right, Mike, I'm going to go ahead and let you with your two quotes kind of wrap this section up my man yeah the first one's from my good friend raymond and he said what is there to say about jt he is chelsea and uh from my brother bill he says what does it say about a player when you're 37 and you still have clubs in europe trying to sign you i I think that just (laughs) that's great yeah (laughs) it's the greatest compliment a 37 year old can get right i mean it's it's pretty impressive all right well again thank you to everyone who participated in this we will continue to try to do as many of these special podcasts that we can really bringing you our listeners in to to be contributors because we love 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 when we can do stuff like this so again thank you to everyone uh and instead of me wrapping it up and sending it out i i've got someone better to do it a wise man with some wise words we're gonna let our captain leader legend john terry have the final say on his episode
I've been very fortunate to work with some unbelievable players and managers throughout my career. Not only the ones here today, but there's some, some ex-managers, ex-players that are here today that I've shared some great, some great occasions, won some great trophies with, and I'm so thankful to every single one of you. Thank you. I think we all have to thank this man up here as well, Mr. Roman Abramovich. I'd personally like to thank him and all the board. For me, the best owner in world football, without a doubt. Yes, he's put in an awful lot of money into the football club, but he cares and loves this club. Right from the under eights to the under nines to the ten, this man cares and looks to improve year in, year out to give us the best opportunity. Roman, on behalf of myself, the players and all the supporters, thank you very much. Bear with me. I'd like to thank my wife and my kids. <laughs> for supporting me in this amazing journey I've had. <clears throat> thank you, I love you. Lastly, you guys, the fans, the best supporters in the world, without a shadow of a doubt. You've given me everything from the age of 14 when I first signed at this football club. You've picked me up when I was down. You've sung my name when I've had bad games and disappointed you as well. You know what, thank you, thank you will never ever be enough, but I tell you what, I'm going to come back here one day. 
and I'm gonna, I'm gonna be supporting this team and the players for years to come. Honestly, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. I love you all.